Hello and welcome to the The CMD Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Dismay Jr. Follow me on no longer the Elon app at The CMD. That's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. Podcast is also up there at The CMD Podcast. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up TheCMD.com. Subscribe and rate to the podcast. Five stars, nothing less podcast available at all major podcasts and platforms including the purple app and the rogan app musical production done by may first music support him at soundcloud.com slash may first music consider your block spun had to hop on and do another pod the sean watson gets six games at least that's what's the arbiter has decided six games, including a year time served for Deshaun Watson. And people are losing their minds. And people are saying he's getting off light. He's getting off easy. Browns fans are happy. The NFLPA is ecstatic. They're releasing statements, co-signing the judgment via the arbitration. The Browns released a hella problematic statement that was full of fallacies and stretching of the truth in their co-signing of the decision as well as reinforcing their belief and their guy they're going to pay 230 M's to over the next five years. However, one thing that hasn't been spoken about is how just because the arbitrator has ruled that after her findings in her dissecting the information presented by both sides that Deshaun Watson, in her mind, justfully should be suspended six games, that doesn't necessarily mean Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended six games. Because your man's Roger Goodell still has final say. And if you believe those in the know, he's ready to give Deshaun Watson a whole year suspension. Damn, it was all good just a few hours ago. Damn. So Raj, thanks to the NFLPA and D. Morris Smith, not Domoris Smith as he was called last year, D. Morris Smith, a couple of years ago in his latest CBA, they handed over control, handed over final say to Roger Goodell. But they led the players to believe that this independent arbitration, which Deshaun Watson just went through, was supposed to be the final say. But they didn't check the fine print. The fine print says, yes, that final decision is made independently as the first step in the process. So that decision made by the arbitrator is the first step in the ruling process. However, the last step, the final step still is Roger Goodell. And the NFL was pushing, depending on who you believe, up from either 12 games to a whole season suspension for Deshaun Watson. So if that's the case, and the league itself is pushing for a minimum of 12 games all the way up to a year, 
why would they sit back and not appeal the arbitrator's decision of six games? And that's where things get shaky. Because Roger Goodell, who has come under fire at times for being weak when it comes to the Ray Rice thing and all the domestic violence things that seem to come all in a row, then he jumped out the window and started wielding unbelievable power never seen by a commissioner before since you got to go back to baseball back in the day when they had actual judges as their commissioners. Then he started unwielding this unbelievable power that he was granted by the NFLPA. And now you're having this where he can literally come down and say, damn what the arbitration says, I'm going to do what I want. And there's nothing that Deshaun, all of his lawyers, all the settlements, all the NDAs can do about it. So I know that it looked like an initial alleged victory. And again, I'm taking the word victory loosely because this involves sexual assault. And one thing that the arbitrator did essentially co-sign through legalese, and that's why you have that as a title of this. I don't know if you want to call this a bonus pot or whatever, but I feel like I just had to spin the block because the information just kept breaking. She essentially said Deshaun Watson did that shit. She essentially, through her legalese, if you read between the lines, she said, yeah, look, I may have only looked at five cases of allegation. And of those five, I only used four to base my ruling on. But based off those four, and the, ev- and the evidence that has been put forth in front of me, testimony, and so on and so forth. Oh, yeah, he did that shit. He did that shit. That's what she said. So we have a league that has tried to placate itself to embracing black people, that has tried to placate itself to embracing women. And now we have those two things clashing. Now, to me, race doesn't play that much of a part in this. And trust me, I would love nothing more than to hop on the bandwagon and ride out because y'all know how I give it up. But I don't think race plays a thing here. Because at the end of the day, this all comes down to whatever Roger Godell wants this to be. And that's why I don't know how as a player's union, a union that has allegedly have been improved over the last few years, even though they have not gotten rid of D. Morris Smith, the leadership underneath him allegedly has been bolstered. Well, how could they agree to such a thing? Look at what the NFLPA has given up. They've added on an extra game, an extra game of wear and tear on their bodies. We know the funny money in these contracts as I talk about them every chance I get. They still can't get guaranteed contracts. The Rooney rule is a joke, and we will get to Brian Flores and all of that in a bit. And now you add on the fact that no matter what, under the personal conduct policy that the NFL has, which includes owners, but owners are kept to a, quote, higher standard. And that's why people were jumping out the window trying to compare Deshaun Watson's case to Bob Kraft. I'll get to that. But it's not as simpatico as you think. They gave up power to Roger Goodell. He is the ultimate say. So now if you're Raj, you can play it two ways. I can let this six games rock and just hope this goes away. 
even though we know it won't, especially when you look at the schedule where whenever Deshaun Watson is eligible to start, it's a prime time game. You think that's a coincidence? I mean, come on. Couldn't make it any easier. If he gets to six games, if he actually like goes out this sixth game, that first game where he is the QB, the starting QB for the Cleveland Browns, that's going to do a massive rating. Massive. Which will satisfy all the parties involved, except for if you're a fan who identifies with the plight of women in this country and society as a whole. The league partners will be ecstatic. The league will be ecstatic. The Browns fan base will be ecstatic. The media partners will be through the roof. Social media will be crazy. Everyone will win except women and those who identify with the plight of women. Or you can bring down the hammer if you're Roger Godell and say the hell with the six games. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to give him minimum 12, if not a whole year. And D. Morris Smith in the NFLPA can't do shit because they stupidly gave me that power a couple of years ago just for a slightly higher revenue split so now i got all the power now so a lot of people have brought up all the myriad of other suspensions that are that are comparable to this the calvin ridley thing with the gambling ezekiel elliott with the domestic violence so on and so forth but some people have also brought up and justfully so, but maybe not as correctly as they think in this particular scenario, the Bob Kraft thing. So the Bob Kraft thing. Bob Kraft, Robert Kraft, owner of the Patriots, wears Air Force Ones, hangs out with Hove and Meek Mill. He's y'all guy. Also hangs out with Trump, but y'all look past that. He was charged with solicitation, not accused. Again, legalese. Those are two very different things. Robert Kraft was charged with solicitation, never accused. Okay? Two different things. So now, Robert Kraft was caught out there in South Florida at a rub and tug, excuse me, excuse me, a masseuse parlor, got a happy ending. And a lot of people are like, well, Deshaun's out here on IG getting his happy endings and forcibly sexually assaulting women. How come we can't keep the same energy for Bob, Robert, Air Force Ones, hanging with Hove and Meek Mill Craft? Here's where the legalese gets even deeper. Deshaun Watson was asking, by all reports, by all evidence, asking for happy endings, if not even more. Robert Kraft allegedly, according to the reports and the investigations done with his incident in South Florida, he just walked in to get a massage and he magically, automatically, just so happened to get a happy ending. Make it make sense. So they have evidence of Deshaun, whether it's DMs, text, whatever, of basically giving it up of what he wants to have done to him, while as Robert Kraft walks into a massage parlor where Trump and a lot of his cronies have been known to frequent, gets caught in a sting operation in a rub and tug type situation. But again, 
was never accused of solicitation, only charged with solicitation, and then quietly, mystically, magically, the case has went away. So that's why you can't compare what happened to Bob Kraft to Deshaun. Yes, you could say, well, one was accused of sexual assault, and the arbitrator used a weird term, nonviolent sexual assault. I don't really know what that means. I've looked up the definition. I've listened to shows talk about what that means, and I still don't really have a grasp on it. Nonviolent sexual assault. Don't know what that means. But that's more or less what Deshaun Watson has been accused of, while Bob Kraft was only charged with solicitation because he was caught in a spot where rubbing tugs were going off crazy. So while it looks the same on the surface, once you dive deeper into who did what to whomst, it's not. And again, I know it's bullshit. Like, let, let's be clear. I know that's bullshit, but the legalese allows it to get off. And that's why when you're looking at things that involve this type of money, this type of power, and this type of clout, you have to go deeper into stuff like legalese. And if you look at that situation with Bob Kraft, if you look at the whole Jerry Jones thing where there's pictures of him with the groupies in precarious positions, there's been rumors of secret babies. He's got more secret babies than Mello, allegedly. And then you also look at what I was breaking down bit by bit here on the pod not that long ago of his own daughter being creeped out by his Ray Donovan guy behind the scenes taking upskirt vids of Jerry Jones's own daughter and sneaking into the bathroom or into the cheerleaders locker room and getting pics and vids off. Like this culture, and let's not forget Daniel Snyder and the workplace environment that he has, you know, procured there in Washington where he's been allegedly accused of sexual harassment and those under him also have been accused of sexual harassment, sexual assault. And then I just told y'all yesterday about the Raiders and how everyone's abandoning ship because that ship be sinking because everyone is trying to get out of there before they catch another Washington football team type scandal in their building. Yet the owners are supposed to be kept to a quote, higher standard in accordance with the NFL's own personal conduct policy. Well, how are they able to skate? How? How is Daniel Snyder in that, what, 190-something million dollar yacht able to skate when there was a subpoena for that man to pull up? There was a subpoena for that man to go and sit in front of Congress and answer direct questions, and he circumvented that and was able to go off on his yacht and do it that way. So Bob Kraft, Jerry Jones, Daniel Snyder, all of them have found a way to circumvent the system. So how shitty must Stephen Ross feel right now? <laughs> He's the only one that couldn't find a way to get it off. All of these other ones, workplace harassment, workplace misconducts, wowing, mystical, magical, happy endings out of thin air. Break babies all over the place like he's D-Wade or Mello. All of this stuff is happening. $100 million for some land in VA. Nobody knows where it came from. 
all of this is happening. But Steven Ross was trying to pull off, in the words of Roger Godell, one of the most egregious examples of tampering ever. <laughs> it got busted. So Brian Flores can come to Brownsville and play that MOP. He can play that MOP. He can pump it like he's back on the block if he ever actually was on the block ever, if he was ever actually outside. Brian Flores has been vindicated. The Dolphins have been, I guess, what's the, I don't know. They've had picks revoked, restricted, taken away. The Dolphins lost a 2023 first rounder and a 2024 third rounder with the evidence that was put forth mostly independently by Brian Flores because he kept all the receipts and those receipts were corroborated by others. Stephen Ross was fined $1.5 million. He's been banned, suspended, what I'm going to call it, for six weeks, just like Deshaun Watson in arbitration. Coincidence? I think not. Even the owner-in-waiting, who was allegedly quasi-hovering in the mix with the tampering and all of that, he's been banned for a year from league meetings. Okay, so those are the particulars. Dolphins lose a first rounder next year and a third rounder the year after that. Stephen Ross fined $1.5 million as to stay away from the team, essentially banned, suspended for six weeks. And the owner-in-waiting has been banned for a year from league meetings. However, <laughs> I mean, the Dolphins already had two first-round picks next year. So, I mean... They got cut from two first-round picks to just one. I mean, did they actually lose anything? I know two first-round picks, that's hell of a collateral to potentially move up. But, I mean, it's not like they got none now. But, okay, it's punishment. And also, if you look at the $1.5 million that Ross is fined for, we know he's a billionaire. He's a real estate, a real estate mogul. And all of that. So 1.5 is light. But even if you look at the six games where he's being banned, suspended, whatever you want to call it. I mean, based off revenue and all like he still owns the team. He's going to collect checks from all six of those weeks. Revenue, the gate, concessions, all of that. That 1.5 is going to be made back maybe even by week three. Half of the term to be done and he would have recouped, if not more. So, I mean, finding him 1.5, taking away a first-round pick when he already had two. I mean, is it really a punishment? I think what the real punishment is, is that it shows how silly he was out here in these streets being so bold that he thought he could skate with the personal conduct policy because the owners had kept to a, quote, higher standard. He thought he could skate like Jerry Daniel Snyder, and Bob Kraft. Stephen Ross, you ain't them. This is Draymond to Paul DeFraud Pierce. You ain't Kobe. You ain't Jerry. Stephen Ross, you ain't Jerry. You ain't Bob. You ain't Daniel Snyder on a $192 million yacht. And again, why this episode is called Legalese, they didn't say that Stephen Ross didn't offer... Flores 100k to lose slash tank games. 
But what they did say was that it was said, but it was never pointedly a directive for Brian Flores and his coaching staff to go out there and lose games on purpose. Even though it also said <laughs> that Steven Ross repeatedly said to Brian Flores and other senior executives that they need to prioritize their 2020 draft status over winning games. What does that sound like to you? <laughs> yeah, look, fuck this season, dog. I'm trying to get a higher draft pick. Well, how do I get a higher draft pick, boss? By losing some goddamn games, and here's 100K to boot to make sure you go do that shit. But Brownsville Brian, he wasn't having it. They really tried to get off that the 100K thing was a joke. They really, really tried to do that. That's just amazing. But also what was discovered, the tampering was a thing. They really did tamper. They really had Tom Brady on the yacht. The same yacht that Brian Flores claimed he got offered the 100K was the same time where Tom Brady allegedly was on, well, I guess, is it even allegedly anymore? Well, what, they didn't specify that it was that particular time, so we'll still, say, we'll still say allegedly. Where Tom Brady allegedly had this whole scheme cooked up. And I broke it down pods ago when, when this story was fresh and the Full Letter Network and even the Shield's own TV network were staying away from it because of all the people that would be implicated. But tampering did happen. The plan was true. Tom Brady was going to retire, just like he ultimately did. They had the man's blue check boy Schefter run out here and had the statement and was out here and it made Tom pump fake. It made him sweat it out a few days before he eventually followed through with the actual retirement. And if you remember, that retirement only said goodbye to Tampa Bay. And that was made a thing. People in Boston were in their feelings because they're like, well, hey, how are you going to leave us out of your retirement? Well, that's because he wasn't really retiring. <laughs> he wasn't really retired. That was never some of the plan. It was all it was all a ploy. You know, jinkies. You know, fucking Brady was gonna go buy an ownership stake in the Dolphins after his retirement. Then once that goes through and that starts to do what it do, Brady was gonna then unretire and play QB for the Dolphins. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, I mean, how could he do that? Because he would still be technically a member of the Bucs, and you would be correct. So the Dolphins and the Bucs were going to work out a compensation, a trade, if you will, of Brady from the Bucs to the Dolphins. Now, while all of that is going on, then they would have Sean Payton swoop in and become coach. So Brownsville, Brian, you were done anyway. You were done anyway. Even though the Rooney rule... <laughs> And you could say that, you know, you didn't get jobs anywhere else and you feel you were unjustly fired and I believe you were. It really doesn't matter. Because they were cooking up a scheme right in front of you. When you was on the boat taking receipts on the 100K, Stephen Ross was up here cooking a way bigger plan, a way bigger plan with his Michigan alum, Tom Brady. So Sean Payton was going to become coach. Now, why would Tom Brady pick Sean Payton as his coach? No real ties that we are, like, aware of unless you dig a little deeper. Tom Brady and Sean Payton 
have the same agent. <laughs> and you wonder why I call the Knicks a CAA hotbed. And you wonder why Clutch is running the Lakers. Tom Brady's agent was about to be running the Dolphins on the low. So Brady and Payton have the same agent. So now let's just imagine a world where Stephen Ross's dream comes true. He hasn't won shit in Miami. He's been there for over two decades. And it's been laughable his existence there. The biggest thing that's ever happened during his tenure was what? The Wildcat? The Wildcat. Fucking Ronnie Brown and Ricky Williams throwing the ball. That's been the most in, in enjoyable thing if you're a Dolphins fan during Stephen Ross's tenure as owner. Let's say he pulls off this masterful dream scenario filled with tampering. And this tampering dates back to when Brady was still in New England. Let's say he's able to get this off. Brady goes from being a minority owner to playing quarterback for the same team. You work out the compensation. You go get Sean Payton. You then go work out compensation from the Saints to get that hooked up. So now you have Brady and Payton. You're thinking, okay, now away we go. Here's the problem, though. <laughs> because of all the cap issues involved in all of this, Brady would have needed approval from the owners to then be able to return to being a player after being an owner his damn self. So that means he would have needed the Bucks ownership, the Patriots ownership, and the rest of the owners, including the AFC East, to get this off. No way that shit would have happened. No, absolutely, positively, <laughs> no way would any of those four teams would have allowed that to happen. No fucking way. So even if Stephen Ross could have gotten this off, it would have never happened. Even if he would have been able to wave his magic wand and make his South Beach dreams come true, no way it would have happened. All the pieces were aligned. He tried it. If you're his Dolphins fan, maybe you're supporting like, yo, at least my owner's out here getting to the shits. He's out here scheming in back rooms. He's out here tampering three years out to get it off. This year was supposed to be Tom Brady as a Miami Dolphins quarterback. And you can speculate that this could technically happen. This dude McDaniels, you know, logic with the Yeezys, he could just be a stopgap. They could pay him to go away. One year, bounce. The Texans did last year with, with the brother. They literally paid him a three-year contract essentially for one year because they knew they weren't keeping him. So this guy that they got now, Logic, they could get him up out of there after one year and still bring in Brady and Sean Payne. Because it's not like Brady signed a contract extension. Sean Payne took a gig with a media partner. What was it, Amazon? One of them. Like, this could still happen. But with all the heat coming down on it, I just don't see how it does. I just don't see how this happens. But Brian Flores, everything he said was right. Brian Flores has come out and said he's happy that they have figured out that they did tamper based off his evidence and those and, and others providing evidence to corroborate what Flores initially uh, put out there. But he's a little upset 
that the whole 100K to tank games thing has been kind of poo-pooed. And it has been poo-pooed via legalese. Because they have admitted that the words were said, the statement was made, but it was never an initiative. It was never something that was put in a text. It was never something that was put on an email. It's just words. But if Stephen Ross is going around telling every, anyone that will listen that's a higher up, like, yo, dog, we need to improve this 2020 draft stock. Well, there's only one way to do that. There's only one simple way where you control your own fate in doing that, improving your own draft stock, and that's to lose games. So while he might not have made a missive about it, while he might not have put it on a letterhead, while he might not have texted directly, it was implied. But if you're Brian Flores, you're in Pittsburgh, you're the assistant head coach, defensive linebackers, whatever that that coaching title is, can he get a gig next year now? What owner is going to trust him? He's now known as the guy that will keep all the receipts. You can't get no sneaky shit off with Brian Flores in the building. Brownsville Brian is not the one. Brownsville Brian is not the one. So if you can't trust him because you're knowing he's either taking meticulous notes or he got the voice memo app open on the low, like I don't, I don't know what his note-taking method is, but it's meticulous. So what owner is going to now entrust their franchise and their organization and all the secrets that go on within an organization, more importantly, to Brian Flores? Who's going to trust him? So while this does vindicate him, I'm not entirely sure this helps his cause long term. And that's what we talked about when this whole thing went down is I don't know if he'll ever coach again at any level. So now we've been proven wrong in that aspect where he has a job via someone of his own hue in Mike Tomlin. But outside of that, who else was going to hire him? If this was just a one year stopgap just to get him another check to get him through another year, to give him maybe another opportunity if the Steelers and their defense and whatever plays well, he can leverage that to a job next year. Who's really going to take that chance and jump out the window for Brian Flores? Brownsville Brian might be stuck out here. I don't know if he gets another head coaching opportunity. He might can bounce around as a D coordinator, but as a head coach, after it's been proven, you will snitch. You will tell, and I'm not saying he told for the wrong reasons. I'm just saying the fact of the matter is he kept meticulous notes. He's that dude that will email as per our phone conversation, as per our in-person conversation. Like he will write meticulous notes and include it in written format to get that locked in as evidence, as receipts. He's that guy who, what billionaire wants that in a building? With all the secrets that keep getting uncovered, with all these different harassment suits coming out, who will entrust Brownsville Brian to be in their office? Outside of the building he's already in, I have no idea. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for listening. Yeah, man, had to spin the block. Back-to-back days, back-to-back pods. Don't get too used to this. (laughs) 
But for something like this, where it's like important shit, important information, breaking information, I didn't feel like waiting until next week. And information might get stale. Other stories might pop up. I wanted to tap in with y'all and execute something precise in the moment, topical. So uh, all the usual shit, subscribe and rate to the podcast. Five stars, nothing less, tell a friend. And as always, this pod is doing numbers. The numbers keep growing. Uh, about to hit 30K soon if we haven't hit it already by the time you have heard this. So thank you all to whoever has downloaded or streamed or whatever. Obviously, downloads are more quantifiable, but if you, all you do is stream, that's fine too. But um, let me know how you're listening. Are you streaming or you're downloading? If you are streaming, at least leave a review. I need some sort of quantifiable uh, numbers for metric purposes. So however you get the pod, keep supporting that. Just leave me a little way to use it as quantifiable evidence that people are listening to the pod. So for the CMD Podcast, I'm Stan Dusmay Jr. I'm out. <laughs>